once again to the second of our podcasts, an interview with Uncle Victor, as uh, Victor interviews me with a group of people uh, on Zoom. I trust that you find this really encouraging and helpful as we look forward to making disciples in a Western context. Dave, Dave, as I see it from your talk, you, you're focusing on three things. You're focusing on the seed, culture specific, and you're focusing on the soil, preparing the soil, and you're focusing on the season, the right time and the right place, what mm. works and what doesn't work. So seed, mm. soil, and season, all yeah. three are important. Wonderful, wonderful, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> good. That's yeah. wonderful. And one thing is, too, you know, God continually expanded our vision and he continually, uh, one thing we learned from our Indian brothers and sisters is big vision. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we I, you know, I remember sitting with you, but also other leaders, and and the vision aspect is is a saturation vision, nothing less. Mm-hmm. And, and, and also the Great Commission pushes us into engagement with every people, all mm-hmm. nations, and not limiting ourselves. So when you're talking about you know seed and and um, the soil and the season, we're seeing different works. Like we we seeing a group of teams now developing places like New Zealand yeah. and in, throughout Asia, in Hong Kong and Singapore and Indonesia and Laos and Myanmar and into we have work in Hungary and now in England and US and up in Seattle, and so God's great commission pushes us to think big and, and broader, but um, in the context of deep humility um, that we can't do this, but we're part of a big picture. But the, the great commission pushes us mm-hmm. to engage really broadly and to not put limitations on where he wants to use us. Yeah. Yeah, Dave, uh, George Patterson, you know George Patterson, and the father of multiplication. Uh, before he died, he made a couple of statements. Somebody asked him, how does he see the future? And he said, about the theological seminaries, he said, you know, the seminaries just impart knowledge, but not discipling skill. And that ha- that is the root cause of all, because all the churches are dominated by controlled by pastors who are trained in theological seminaries. Mm. So if you teach them only knowledge and not skills, discipling skills, you're asking for trouble. But yeah. he said, in the because of the increasing persecution, in future you will have to train criminals because you're going to be working against the laws of the country which will forbid you from, <laughs> from uh, conversion. So, uh, you know, the church has to go underground and you need special kind of training that the future churches will follow Jesus' formula of two or three gathering together and going underground yeah. and below the radar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. W- w- how do we how do we work on the theological seminary that they change the <laughs> uh, <laughs> syllabus? <laughs> um, uh, frankly, um, uh, I have young, We have many young adults working with us, and uh, we have I have young young men coming up and says, "Should I go to Bible college?" And I say, "No." <laughs> don't go to Bible college. Yeah. Learn to be a disciple that multiplies. Yeah. And so the fundamentals is teaching people how to pray and then teaching people how to handle the word of God that is able to be multiplied. So have they written out all the Gospels in their in their own words? 
Have they actually engaged purposely with the teachings of Jesus? Because going to Bible college teaches you how to write a paper and engage with irrelevant theologians, usually. That um, I, I remember going to Bible college and, and, and sitting there and doing papers, spending lots of hours with theologians that um, that I look at today and I think they, they don't even know Christ. You know, they, they, their, their record is they just don't know Christ. And we're engaging with this stuff. Why would you? Why on earth would you do that? Um, when, when you can try and remove every barrier for that person to know Jesus through the Word of God yeah. and engage directly with the Word, and, and um, uh, uh, that's the whole purpose, right? And the whole purpose is to know Christ, and and through His Word, the Living Word becomes words to us. And so we we uh, try and steer people clear of Bible colleges, um, and but a high bar of how do they engage with the Word of God? And so um, um, I didn't mean to. I just happened to have this here, but but you know just. Just do a four-column study on the Bible. Write out the Bible in your in, in there. Write it out in your own words. No. Put all your observations, and then make sure you have your obedience uh, in every part of the Scripture. And then just do that again and again and again, and just just keep keep building your knowledge of the Word through obedience and through revelation, yeah. and and. That's what we've got to train people to do, engage directly with the Word, obey the Word, grow in the Word. And people who do this, um, wow, they grow fast. You know, the, the, the Discovering Bible study we do, we have three eyes. First eye is what is the insight you learn from this particular lesson. Number two is what are you going to implement, second mm. eye. And the mm. third is with whom you're going to impart, share this with. So, you know, all those two things. <laughs> Insight, implement, and impart. Three things, awesome. Those three questions they have to ask themselves. And, and next time they have to report what did they, in fact, implement or did they oh, impart. <laughs> That's so good. That's so good. So, Dave, now we have your 10 minutes to give us a, a, a takeaway that... Uh, Oh my goodness! Uh, audience here, I, think can, I've, I've said everything I need to say. And, and the, insight, um, the insights and the implementation and the impartation. Yeah, yeah. Well, first, first is to honor what God is doing in places like India, yeah. and and to honor movements that are happening. Um, to not uh, where we learned this um, was really through experience of being amongst um, uh, the harvest. Uh, the Great Harvest of India, um, stories that we encountered of, of Brahmins coming and, and, and coming to Christ and multiplying so fast, so from very high caste in Mumbai to very encountering also very um, low caste people in the, in the slums, uh, people who are cripples, and then them encountering Jesus and multiplying very fast. And in that context, we learned that the gospel, once plant, planted, spreads very fast, even without methodologies. It doesn't happen, actually, through methodologies. Methodologies are helpful, but it's not the primary thing. It's the power of the gospel. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to multiply so fast. 
Um, so when when you see the gospel planted, and and it's it's kind of like trying to keep up with that. It's it's keeping up with the work of God. That's what we learnt in India. Came back into Australia. Um, we we were looking back. We looked at our highly institutional models here in the West and our highly structured models, and it saw so many of the barriers both within our culture and within our church life that stopped this spread of the gospel, this spontaneous spread that happened uh, that we saw in India. And uh, they kept traveling back into India and encountering movements growing uh, uh, really fast. I had the privilege of even just sitting with Uncle Victor there and him bringing in some movement leaders uh, with a group of our leaders, and they were, they were just sharing stories. In fact, Uncle, um, we were uh, just recalling one of those those stories in a in a one of our teams and unpacking that just three weeks ago, um, oh. and uh, it was just you know, but stories like you know encountering Roderick Gilbert up there in Delhi and different movements that are just just spreading. Um, so we learnt we learnt lessons from from those places, and we we came back into this kind of professional church, and um, and we learnt um, that the traditional church in the West is usually the barrier, not the answer. They're they're stopping the harvest uh, because of certain cultures. Um, people in Australia to discover Jesus, feel like they have to navigate this highly religious culture called the church to, to find Jesus. And once we actually give them permission to discover Jesus without having to navigate church, uh, it, it, it unleashes possibilities. It, it really does unleash, unleash that. Um, and that churches are really formed around the idea of relational groups. Uh, one of the big issues that we face in the West is a, a really clearly defined idea of what is church. So when we talk about church, we immediately jump into the institution, the building, the pastor, the, 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 there's, a, there's an image that's there. Uh, and that, um, that is um, a, one of our, our difficulties is when you have a group of five to ten people coming together, discovering Christ, being baptised, and you say that's the church. People look at that with great scepticism, yeah. and and great inability to see that that possibly could be the new te- uh, model of New Testament church. Mm. We're we're not using adjectives for the church like organic church or home church or those kind of things. We're, the only definition we use is New Testament church, because a New Testament church shows us. Uh, pushes us back into the scriptures and and helps us engage with the scriptures to give us a model of church that helps validate the church, this model, so that we're not putting limitations on numbers, sizes, locations. We're just putting uh, uh, an idea that from scripture, this is what church is like. And so um, um, uh, helping people discover what is church uh, within that environment um, if you start with church planting, you won't always get disciples. But if you start with making disciples, you always end up with the, the church that Jesus intended. And that's, that's, um, that's a big learn. Yeah. 
mm. uh, for us. Um, if you if you help people form their lives around Christ, mm. becoming obedient to His teachings, you always get the Church of Jesus Christ yeah. being manifest and working itself out in that location. Mm. Um, so um, yeah, so now we're just focusing on um, uh, this this methodology that's around, as we said before, passionate prayer laying the foundations for prayer, harvest engagement, uh, just just getting into the harvest, uh, discipleship pathways, making disciples out of these communities, helping them become churches and multiplication, always multiplication, always focus on replication, um, and we catalyze leaders and, and um, teams everywhere. Um, we're on a journey, and we're still learning, and we are... Uh, we, uh, uh, just wanting to see more and more take place. Um, that's us. And really in this context of this Zoom where so many people are already doing such great things, um, uh, uh, I think um, uh, I see it as a fellow student with so many here on this screen. <laughs> and it's a great privilege to be able to share with you. That's probably enough for me, Uncle. Thank, mm. thank you so much, David. It's been fantastic, really. Learned so much from you. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> friends, uh, this is your uh, time now, question and answer session. Any questions you want to ask Dave or you want to make some comments, this is your time. Nancy, you are from Stockholm. I, I, I wanted to say that um, I so agree with you that professionalism and personality-based um, you know, church has been the downfall, I think, in Europe and elsewhere. And um, unfortunately, we get immigrants in Europe, which we have very much a similar thing to you in Australia. And I agree that the U.S. is something else. It's a different culture. Really. But um, we do have lots of prayer in Sweden. We have lots of believers praying all the time and lots of prayer meetings. You can go to one almost uh, several times a day. Um, and get in on some group that is praying for the harvest and multiplication. Um, So we do have that. Uh, We aren't seeing a lot of fruit. The immigrants um, do come to faith, but they like to go back into a traditional model often. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of interesting hurdles. um, And I'm finding, I I was in the beginning reaching uh, Muslims coming from various places like Afghanistan and and Africa and um, Iran, but um, they do want to have something that looks professional, and there's a lot of reasons for that. There's a lot of mindset behind that. Um, They believe in hierarchies, and they believe there must be an expert out there somewhere that they should be following. So I just um, am working now with some Swedish new believers, and they are more democratic in their thinking because they're Swedish, but they still kind of... um, feel like they're not ready to do ministry and it's really hard to launch them mm-hmm. so anyway i'm using um a, a tool that was developed by swedes for swedes and it's very good um it's not available outside of sweden but um i really think that i'm still hopeful that it's going to happen but it's so it's it very encouraging to hear what you have to say and i guess one question i have for you is i keep encountering from different people um either Christians that are practitioners or Africans or other people that come to Sweden, they're afraid of heresy and they feel like, and I understand from Justin Long and others that that is not usually something that derails movements. Usually the, the mm. good DNA 
Trevor Larson said he has not seen that in his, he has like 75 movements, right? Yeah. And has not seen that. So um, how do you answer that? Because that's a big barrier that I'm finding is what about heresy? Thanks. Thanks, Nancy. Let me just bounce off what you said earlier. When the immigrant person comes in and we see families um, from different nations come in, what they're facing is they're driving around the city and they're seeing churches everywhere, buildings, I mean, by that. Um, and so they that automatically think, as as you, I guess I would if I was in a Muslim country wanting to become a Muslim, I would go to the mosque <laughs> to, to discover. They are also wanting to go that. So one of the keys for us is to teach them from the beginning to baptize each other. And to not, um, and that that automatically shifts something. If we can get, I have um, ten people uh, from one community now wanting to be baptized, and they're actually contacting a pastor, and the pastor contacting me, and I will not allow a pastor to baptize them. <laughs> Why? Because it reinforces the professionalism of this. I want them to learn that they can baptize one another. As soon as they can do that, they will they will be able to say, "Ah, oh, I I can do this." And that is a really important fight to have. That everybody can obey all the commands of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So every believer, if if Jesus asks us to go and baptize others, every believer can be is is able to do that. Yeah. And so immediately when we talk about a pastor having to do that work of ministry, we disempowering that 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 local thing either we baptize the first person and let them then go on and baptize others um or or we just train them to baptize because that was the command go and baptize so if they want to obey the commands of jesus teach them that and try as much as possible to help them form community and church straight away where they are so that they're not having to go to the buildings because as soon as they end up there it ends up in passivity and lack of right. multiplication and so yeah and that's some of the some of our strategies are we doing that well all the time no does it work all the time no but that's our strategies there um, um, now uh, heresy um, yeah my, my I just laugh when I get that question now at times from churches and stuff I say well the biggest heresies we see are actually in the churches <laughs> <laughs> And and they're not actually in these groups. They're just not. Um, and With the and seminary as people, trained, right? What's that? Sorry. With the seminary trained. <laughs> right, right, and 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 so you can you can just point to all kinds of different heresies from prosperity gospel or, or on and on it goes. And 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 um, as you say, you know, uh, the the biggest safeguard against heresy is groups gathering around the word, self-correcting, being able to... You know what, that's, that's been my standard answer, but let me just give you a case here. There's an African pastor, and he's about to lose his building, and I tried to cast this vision for him that you don't need a building. And um, he already has house churches, house groups, like the Paul Young show model. But he said in these groups, there's usually one person that's a little more dominant, and often the other people will just follow that person they, you know, it's about personalities and about people having revelations from the Lord. So mm. he said that's where the heresies come in is mm. there's a dominant personality who has a revelation and it mm. takes people in a, in a funny direction. Mm. What would you say to that? Yeah, he hasn't trained them well. Um, um, he, he needs to. He hasn't learned how to make disciples. So if you just let that run loose, that probably will go off. 
But okay. if you actually slow down enough to actually, because it does take time to form groups of disciples, and once they get that DNA, um, then that's what will will grow and multiply and correct okay, some of that stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. This is this all resonates a lot with me. What you were speaking about, because our reality is similar to yours, except that we only have something like white, not Aussies, but Slovenes. The migrants don't stop here because of cultural economics and geography. So, I mean, you shared obviously quite a lot already, but what would be your main, maybe, yeah, what you learned about how to engage this particular really difficult culture? Like, it, it resonated a lot with me when you said, yeah, when I speak about gospel, they think they know what I'm sharing about, but of course they don't. So, yeah. 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 Um, uh, we we have, have to get up and pray a cost in prayer for these people. And we have to actually, we actually have to spend hours in prayer, uh, paying a cost with fasting and prayer, um, because breakthrough needs to start there. And, mm-hmm. and then we have to actually... Uh, go slow enough that we're looking at the relational networks that that are there. Uh, some people say uh, always constantly thinking of stranger evangelism. So they're, they're turning DMM into go find a stranger on the street and they'll become the person of peace. Mm-hmm. And what I often say in this context is come closer and closer and even closer still. The person you might need to reach is right under your nose. Uh, they might be a family member who's not saved or they might be someone close and, and look around uh, at the relational networks that you have. Movements always flow along relational lines. And, and so, so, so soak in prayer and then, then be prepared to take time with those that are close um, because they're the ones you're most likely to get traction with. And then f- because it's not far where you break out into streams to... Uh, we all know that we're not far away from most people on the planet through these relational connections. So um, really focus on, on those um, people there. Uh, stranger evangelism, which is my kind of little definition, which is going out to the railway station and find a stranger to evangelize, is, is highly ineffective and, and um, compared to relational evangelism, if we could say, finding people who we are connected with. And thirdly, I would like to say multiply workers. There are people who are around you that probably are passionate for the same cause. Bring them into those prayer meetings. Pour into those people's scriptures because you might be able to reach one or two groups, but through multiplying workers, you will, you will, you will see 50 groups established or something like that. Be prepared to, to pour in. Uh, and I, I say it takes about two years for someone to go through these paradigm shifts from a churchy culture mm-hmm. to a harvest-based passionate culture. Um, so be prepared to pour in, and that's formed through scripture and it's formed through prayer. So pouring in scripture and pouring in prayer so that and, and then leading them into harvest engagement. So pray, 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 look at relational networks, multiply workers. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, this is Alex. Rema Zechariah from Urbana, Illinois, and uh, <clears throat> I was the dean when Dr. Uh, Victor was the director of our Christian Medical College and, mm. uh, in Indiana. Yeah, you know, you have to. Can you tell us what do you mean by pray? 
uh, in other words, how would you teach or train a new a novice uh, the word how to? Yeah. Um, prayer is caught, not taught. So we pray by praying and we pray by praying with others. Um, so um, we learn how to pray by turning up into prayer meetings with passionate people who are praying for the harvest. Um, so prayer is caught taught, firstly. Second, scripture, 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 scripture. Look at the teachings of Jesus and how he taught his disciples to pray. Luke 11, for example, the Lord's Prayer. Um, the, the discourse after the Lord's Prayer is absolutely challenging. The, the audacious um, knocking for on the behalf of your friend, going to ask for bread uh, to the, on behalf of somebody else, and he's only heard because of his audaciousness in prayer. Learning audacious prayers to pray on the behalf of the harvest, um, crying out to God uh, with... Um, this is a big thing that had to happen in me because I was um I'm not necess- I often um are um, sycophantal in my prayer. What do you want me to say, God? <laughs> and rather than God, we just we want to ask you to to move in the harvest and just really getting passionate with God and knocking on His door and just saying, God, would you break through? And so learning that kind of passion and prayer that Jesus himself invited us into this relationship with him to say, come on, ask me, because I want to answer your prayer. And the word of God in us, if my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish. Those kind of, those kind of prayers. So learning um, audacious prayer, learning harvest-based prayer, Prayer is caught, not taught. Using scripture for prayer, uh, uh, I think some real keys there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when I jump into movements and I see the prayer that's happening, I feel like a um, um, <laughs> when when you're in an eight-hour prayer meeting and you're used to praying one hour, and after that you're looking at your watch, waiting for lunch. You feel like a spiritual shrimp. I don't know what the word is. <laughs> So um, saying all that, I have to grow in prayer. Um, prayer and fasting is also really important. We are in the middle of 40 days of fasting and prayer. And um, we, uh, yeah. yeah, you need to see hours of prayer every day, really. Thank you. I will, you know, I have three letters for definition of prayer. That is what the Lord said. Ask, seek. Knock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's been really inspiring and provoking, especially from Westerner to Westerner. It's it's good to hear that you are doing such a good job in Melbourne. <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I, like I said, it feels like we're we're growing slowly. <laughs> when yeah, we yeah, but at least growth—that's what counts, right? Mm. <clears throat> we're not going backwards Amen. <laughs> thank you very much um, I started my ministries uh, full time in, in the 1960s so I agree with uh, brother David that uh, the watershed was 
on the one hand, World War II, and secondly, all that happened in the 1960s as far as uh, church growth was concerned in the West and particularly here in the UK. Uh, the other points that you have been making I found very helpful to uh, to crystallize that the things that have been uh, in our life in our ministry for many years now so yes the emphasis on the making disciples then the home churches come from that uh, spending time in prayer developing teams and leaders who know how to pray who are far harvest focused and so on I, I agree with the principles that you have been laying down and some of them I should be reminding our team leaders and team members. Uh, one of them committed the, a big crime uh, because the other day they had the privilege of baptizing 10 or 15 teenagers, but they went to a church uh, to use their baptistry and that pastor insisted on baptizing them so he set them the wrong example and i had already told them that uh, they have robbed them of the the, the their reward f of actually baptizing another believer in fulfillment of the great commission not only mm. to be baptized but to actually baptize others so that's yeah. a, a principle we seek to include all the points i i'm very happy with uh, and agree with and it's helped to to get little things in clear in my mind such as the soil the uh, the seed the soil the season and saturation uh, a number of these things I've been noting, as well as uh, Uncle Victor's insight implementing part, and then what did you implement and who did you implement it with is another one. The whys, the whos, the whats, the wheres, and so on, all very helpful. Thank you, brother, for sharing. Very much appreciated. David, uh, David is working in Pakistan mostly among the Muslims, so... Uh... Wow. Yeah, that's right. Wow. Praise the Lord. This last week, uh, I think I'm right in saying 6, 8, 14, 16, more than 16 Muslim young people have been brought to faith this week. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> sure. Now, I appreciate this very much. This is the first uh, presentation from somebody focusing on on the uh, uh, European cultures and i appreciate it very much some great insights i think that uh, haven't heard before so i think this will be very useful uh this recording so I'm, I'm looking forward to i've got a group of pastors i'm connected with uh and uh most of them i think all of them are trying to plant churches but i think this would be a an eye-opener for them so i want to thank you very much for for this whole presentation and i will see that they're connected um, so I want to pray and thank God for you and for the work you're doing, and I also for Uncle Victor and everyone on this on this uh, forum. That uh, you know, the the purpose here is is uh, not just to learn to increase our knowledge or enjoy listening to other people, but is to be able to enable us to do a better 
a better job on, on extending God's kingdom on earth and completing the Great Commission. So I thank you very much. You were challenged me on a few items. I, 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 I felt a wince of pain a couple of times. So I thank you very much for that. So I'll just close it. So Father God, I thank you, for what, Lord, for these gatherings every week. Lord, those that have come in the past, those that are coming, going to come in the future. Lord, bless Uncle Victor. Thank you, Father, for these opportunities to, to join together. Father, we have one heart, one purpose to be together, and that's to learn, to become poor in spirit so we can learn from you, and to see your kingdom come upon the earth, because that's the promise that your son Jesus made to us. So bless each of, each of us, Father, as we uh, go about our, our jobs, our task, Father, with our heart. And Lord, uh, I ask for your protection on each one of us, for I know this is a spiritual battle, and when we see physical, actually physical injuries amongst many people uh, working in this area, Lord God, so you ask your protection on each one of us and each one of those that we're in connection with. So, Lord, continue to guide us and look for all of this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.